I said the 24th of September, right? And my anniversary is the 23rd of September. And how long have we married? 32 years. Um, Martin, uh, Graham, can you just choke it out there quickly? You don't mind. All right. See, now this morning I want to speak about communication. That I want to speak about this morning. Effective communication. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I am, and my wife, she's, she's joking with you, but I am probably the world's worst communicator. Don't laugh at me, man, because you guys are the second worst world communicator. Men are just terrible. Women over-communicate. Men communicate too little. You know what I'm talking about? And so I just, I want John W. Brogia to walk out next year. But I want to chat about this this morning because I think it's such a quintessential part of our lives. Communication is really everything. Without communication, we've got nothing. If you, without communication, you and I are just simply people that are existing on the place of the earth, on the planet. And we don't get this high form of communication. It's communication with our wives, communication with our, um, our family, more than anything, our communication with God. And this is one thing in society that you and I have to learn is how do we communicate effectively? <laughs> the definition, the Oxford Dictionary says communication is it says it's the imparting or exchanging of information by speaking, by writing, or by using some form of other medium. Listen to it. It's an exchanging of information. And I think when we come to communication, communication is all about information. Now, you, you probably think because it's not very spiritual, I'll get there, all right? Because we forget often that how we communicate is the most important thing. Now, you've got to understand something this morning. Before we even speak about communication, we've got to speak about what place you communicate from. And this is it. You know, we always say, um, I remember I made this joke when I said to my kids once, I said, just wait till I'm in a good mood, because everyone says, don't displace your kids in anger. And we'd always say, well, wait till I'm in a good mood, then I'm going to give you an idea. You know? <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. But we could understand something this morning, that when we communicate, we've also got to check our hearts in how we communicate. Let me tell you something, 99.9% of the problems in our world today is due to a lack of communication. Now I want to read your scripture. Hendrik brought this up the other day, so I'm not going to say thus said good because it was Hendrik's revelation. But you know, that was a great when you're 23 years in the ministry. And all of a sudden you get a revelation, like how the smoke. How did I not get that? But listen to this. So who knows the story of Babel? Babel. Okay. So I'm going to read it to you. This will blow your mind, okay? And I know most of you in this room haven't seen this. Chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11. I'm reading from verse 1 to 11. And he says this. Now you've got to understand, this is now after the flood. This is after Noah saved so many people, the family and the dogs and the cats and all that kind of stuff. And now they've built themselves up into a nation again. Now they're traveling, basically this nation is traveling just to find a place where they can dwell on the, on the face of the earth. So it starts like this. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. He says, and it came to pass that as they journeyed from east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. 
and they dwelt there. Then they, came, then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks, bake them thoroughly. And they had bricks for, for uh, sorry, they had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let's make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad all over the face of the earth." Verse five says, "And but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the Son of Man were building." And the Lord said, "Listen to this. I want you to mark this in your in your Bible." The Lord said, "Indeed, the people are one, and they have have one language, and this is what they begin to do now." The Lord says, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. And other versions say, nothing they do purpose to do now will be impossible for them. That's incredible. That is incredible scripture. That the word of God says that when we come and we speak with one voice, when we speak with one language, the word of God says that even in those days, nothing will be impossible for us. I'm speaking about your business. I'm speaking about your marriage. I'm speaking about your relationship with God. I'm speaking about your prayer life. I'm speaking about communication in church. It says nothing will be impossible for them. It carries on and says, and the Lord says, and come let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speeches. So the Lord scattered them abroad from all over the face of the earth, and, he, and they ceased building the city. Therefore the city was named Babel, because the Lord had confused the language of the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad all over the face of the earth. Now the interesting thing about this is my revelation, is that the devil actually learned the truth from God here. He actually saw God destroy the language. And when he destroyed the language, what did he do? He destroyed the communication. He destroyed the face of the earth, basically. <coughs> Let me tell you something. There's one thing that the enemy wants to do more than anything in your life is bring confusion in your communication. Bring confusion in your prayer life. Bring confusion in your marriage. Bring confusion in your workplace. You see, the problem with most communication is the lack of information. And I know often as men in the church, you know, we've got that philosophy of, you know, Calvary's done cry. And so we carry a lot of stuff within us and inside of us. A lot of times we don't share with our wives that maybe we haven't got money to pay the bills at the end of the month. Or maybe I'm not feeling selective. Or maybe I've got a pain in my chest and I don't want anybody to worry. And us men often try and process that thing. Now, I've got to say, I come from a line of terrible communicators. My long My dad was a terrible communicator. He first gave you hiding, and then explained to you afterwards why he gave you hiding. I don't even. My brother's even worse than me. We call him a saint You know that detective? You've got to drag things out of my brother. But I had to learn very early on in life that without communication, I'm not going to go anywhere. Without being able to express who I really am, what I'm really feeling, and the emotions that I have, and how I'm really feeling about people was a very difficult thing for me. You see, the problem is this, that when, you, when you're battling with rejection, when you're battling with you know, fear, when you're battling with resentment, when you're battling with anger in your life, it is difficult for any one of us to communicate. Because while we tend to first lose it, 
And then once you've lost it, we realize that we cannot take back what we've said. And everybody here knows, women forget nothing. Men remember nothing. See, but get this. Because sometimes we say things, we just say things. Then we forget what we said. How many men here? How many men here? Now be honest with me. How many men here? Your wife was reminded you about a function that she didn't tell you about, that she's convinced that she at least told you three times. All of us, praise God. So it's not only me. How many times have you spoken to your wife and she says, you did not tell me that at all. And they were right. Because in our mind somewhere, we thought we had told them. Don't we? And we joke about this stuff. But you see, there's things like factual communication and, and there's effective communication. Factual communication, what many of us live through in our lives. Factual communication is, how are you? Fine. How are the kids? Great. What's for supper? Pasta. You know, what do you do today? How was your day? Fine. That's what we do. That's factual communication. And so we often come to the place where we live in factual communication, but we don't live in truth. We don't live in what we really feel. We don't really speak about the anger, the hurt, the pain, the resentment that times we carry in our hearts. I remember when we just got married, Chantal and I, um, you know, I, I didn't speak much. And Chantal was trying to suck life out of me, like some form of communication. And I've told you the story before. But you know, it was, it was a simple thing of, of Chantal's got this habit, she still does it today, I don't believe it, she makes coffee, and then she puts a spoon down on the counter like this. I didn't look at this now. She's actually trying to put a glass one side now to put it in the glass. But I remember me coming under police force and, and military, I was just OCD. You know, just like, man, you don't go to sleep if there's a zinc in the plate. In the, in the, uh, a plate in the zinc, you know? You don't, you don't, you don't put the spoon down anywhere. You know, everything had to be neat, my cupboard. She ironed my shirt for me once, my police shirt. She never ironed it again. Because I've got plates, I've got all the different lines. I've got all the different lines. I even couldn't see it in my jeans. That's how bad I was. She would never answer me again. I told today, answer myself. But I remember just constantly not even mentioning the, f the spoon on the table, kind of a thing. Like, I probably added the toilet paper thing as well. But, but, you, but you know, and you know what happened was, I loved her so much. She was so cute. You know, she was so precious. We had just got married. You know, you started hanging in face. You don't upset the woman. You know, he just carries it at the spoon while the counter. Well, a year later, I felt the need to say something about this. All right? And what happened was, we had this massive argument. And guess what? It had nothing to do with the spoon. And you know why? Because we had pent up all the stuff inside of us because we just loved each other so much and we didn't want to say horrible things and didn't want to tell her, you know, her cooking is really bad or... Like, <laughs> no, just example, like, you cook well. But, you know, us men, we eat that food, it's like rubber, and like, high-fiving, it's fantastic, you know. 
she's eating burnt bra flies and she's like, oh baby, you're the best bra master in the world. We, you laugh, we all do that. Hey? Someone gives you a cup of coffee, it's terrible. And how's the coffee? Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> Why? Because we, we've got this thing where we battle to express how we feel. Because we just feel like we're going to feed everybody. And when it, comes to, when it comes to proper communication, I remember Chantal, she called me one, it must have been married like eight years, I'm not lying to you. And she just sat down and she said, listen here, we need to chat. And I know I'll share some of this in my marriage course, but we need to chat. And so we made a point as a couple that every single day when we get home from work, we grab ourselves a coffee, we go sit in the briar area, and we got 15 minutes. And we do proper communication. How was your day? Because now so often we can deal with so much at work that we don't want to bring it home. But the problem is that our spouses need to know how and what we're journeying. And even with, with, with the things of God, God knows our every desire. God knows what you and I are going through. God knows the hardship. But somehow we feel like we can't speak to Him about it. It's the craziest thing. And Shatal would sit and speak to me, and so we had to do this thing, you know, that women over-communicate, and then over-communicate, so it's a matter of, so good, how was your 12-hour shift today? And he was like this, fine. Fine means that it was a good day, nothing went wrong, I'm alive, everything's great, that's what I took the Then he said, Shatal, how was your day? Well, 7.45, <laughs> By 8 o'clock, I had my first cup of coffee. I mean, 45 minutes later, I mean, it's lunchtime. <laughs> and so what did we have to do? We had to do this. I had to learn to communicate better, and she had to learn to communicate more effectively. And so we had to balance the tune out where we could actually communicate well. She had to draw it out of me and I had to say, irrelevant, 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 irrelevant. <laughs> and we joke, we laugh about it, but let me tell you something. It's why our marriage has lasted 32 years. Besides the fact that I'm stunning good looking. But I mean. <laughs> and she's okay. Wow, I'm my baby, teasing it. But, but it's a real thing. And you know, we, we may joke about it and think, oh, there's not really a spiritual need. Let me tell you something. That 90% of the divorces that I deal with today is communication. 90% of it is people not having the ability to be able to share their heart, to be able to share their hurts and their pains and their anxiety and what they need to. You know, we've we got this facade in our lives that, that if the world doesn't know about it, or that we don't show the world, we're okay. But we don't realize that people in the world see the chaos that your life is in. Without you saying it, people see how you react. People see how you treat other people, how you speak to other people, how you speak to your kids. You know, we, we've got this, we, we've got this thing, like we, as Christ is me, the hope of glory. You know, I want to be more Christ-like. And, and we, we say that, we want to be more Christ-like. But when I look at dads, how they keep their daughters and their kids sometimes, it worries me. How men speak to their wives, how wives speak to their dads, this is a new thing. I'm backing with this woman that are beating their husbands, not the husbands beating the men now these days. And it's a real concern. It's a real concern and it's not about the fighting. It's not about anything. It's about the fact that you and I, somewhere along this line, in this digital era that we're in, we spend so much time on this thing eh, that we don't know what it is to speak like this anymore. 
We must make, we must be taking both after the Catholic. Moms, we must be taking your son after breakfast. When have you and your wife, just the two of you, been out for a glass of wine or coffee or a muffin jug or whatever they are these days? When was the other? 90% of your time and your communication is spent in front of the television set. <coughs> She'll tell myself, love people watching. It's like a hobby of us. If anything goes wrong, you always sit in the back of the industry. And you cannot believe how many married couples with their kids coming, and the kids will run to the playroom, and their husband and wife haven't got ten words to say to each other. And it's the most awkward thing that I watch couples that have been married 10, 15, 20 years not being able to communicate. And they sit in their phones, and there they go. There they go. She told us I've got this new rule now that we have to put away our phones by 8 o'clock at night. Put them on snooze, put them away. This is our time. Why? Because we used to do that before cell phones. 8 o'clock, the kids had to be in bed. We would switch on the TV software, but we would communicate, we would chat, we would speak about life, we'd speak about the kids, we'd speak about church, we'd speak about our finances, we'd speak about all those things. And then the cell phone happened, and then we just sit on the cell phone 24 7. We feel like somebody's going to die if we don't answer their WhatsApp immediately. Did we forget that 20 years ago, we still had God? Remember that? Remember you missed the call there, you missed the call. That was it. Our phone should go to the police college with a ticket box. You're going to remember. With one of those coins with a string on it. <laughs> And we phone and we meet a certain time. At 8 o'clock, she knows she had to be on the phone. And because I was going to phone at 8 o'clock and I was going to make sure that she's there and she's waiting on the phone. And... But we made time to communicate. We made time to connect. She knew at 8 o'clock she had to get the phone because I was waiting for the box. There was no cell phones. And we forget this. It doesn't matter where technology is going today. You are still made in the image of God and in the likeness of God. And that means that you've still got effective communication in you. You've still got a relationship with God. I, I, I read to the Bible this week, just of men and Jesus even, just having a break and he just goes to the mountain. He says to the disciples, just leave me. You know, I need to be with the Father right now. We need to speak about the stuff. And we find that Jesus sits with the Father. Then the last day says, Dad, you know, you know, this cup is a heavy cup for me to carry. Do you think Dad didn't know that? And he says to, the, he says to God, he says, if possible, can this, can this cup pass me by? Can, can I maybe this part of the... And when was have you and I spoken to God like that? When was have you and I put time aside? Not like, oh, we'll just pray Because most of my time, we don't want to speak all the time. We don't come to God in a relationship, in a love, in an intimate relationship. We come to God with a white list or a need list. And I don't know about you, but there are people, you know, we sit in the office every day. And every day we've got these people that are homeless that are coming for food and coming for clothes. And, and you know, just at that time, I get so irritable because the same people over and over again, I'm going to stop and say, hey, 
You know, you've got to turn things around because you're not going to make it. But, but I, I often wonder what God feels like. Is the only time when I want to speak to you in is a time when I want. Yeah. A time when I need a miracle. A time when I need breakthrough. A time when I need God to change my wife or God to change my husband or God to change my kid. When I said you have come to a place where we can intimately sit with God and, and just put on some music. Hey? Just in our own quiet space, sit down and say, hey Dad. Well, it's been a long day. Because that's what prayer is. Prayer is not a thing about being on your knees and, and flying up and doing all these crazy things. Prayer is about the fact that you want to communicate with God and you want to share your heart with God, but more than anything, you want God to share his heart with you. And what are his thoughts towards you? And what are his plans? And, and what does the future look like? I, I was speaking to one of them at the back just this morning, and I just say, now, in my life, I realize that the more I spend time in fellowship, and I'd like to say that, I almost don't want to use the prayer. I want to use the word fellowship. The more time I spend in fellowship with the Father, the more faith I have that Romans 8, 28 says he's going to work all things for the good. You know, the more I fellowship with him, the more I believe that. The more I believe that God's got this, and it only comes through that intimacy with God and relationship. And you've got to understand something, that, that the, the problem with most of us is that we have a lack of communication when it comes to each other, when it comes to God, when it comes to whatever. And the Word of God says a simple thing. I want to say this to you guys. I don't know about you, but you know, have you ever watched these, these movies on TV um, and, and the bars about like, having an affair? And I'm like, no, don't do it. You don't do it. Your wife's going to find out. She's going to find out. You know, who knows what I'm talking about? Like, oh, I can't believe we did that. And I often think about moments like that in our own lives where we think that because we're not telling people the truth, they don't know the truth. There's one thing I learned being a detective for nearly eight years. There's always someone in the group that speaks. It doesn't matter what you try and do in some clandestine operation or whatever, some secretive movement that you're forming or whatever, there's always somebody that speaks. Even your best buddies, guys. Don't do more water than tequila. I tell you now, they don't get each other. Why? Because the God said that which is darkness will always be brought into the light. And if we communicate better with one another, and, and hear me here, Hear me, we need to get to that place where we do it well. You know, where we come to a place where we don't lie. Because lying is the opposite of good communication. Now, I've got the second problem. And the second problem is this. Don't exaggerate. <laughs> I am terrible exaggerating stuff. Do you know? It's like, if I catch a piece of feet, man, I'm telling you, I tell Jason, stuff this. Fish is this big, and you know, and, and I didn't go over pavement like this. No, no, it was a pavement plus a mountain plus another car, and I landed on the other side. Why? Because we like to tell a good story. But exaggeration is not communication. Thirdly, learn this stop withholding information. There's an old deal that says, Wait, um, a rolling stone, what gathers moss or whatever? How does it go snowball? And that is it. This is that we don't understand that when we withhold a little thing, it snowballs. You know what we're talking about. 
There's some people that lie so well that they believe themselves and they believe the lie. And it's not because they started out in that. It's just they told the lie so many times that they believed it and now they don't even know the truth anymore. There's many of us in this room. There's many of us in this room that have done bad stuff. And we've convinced ourselves that it was okay because we've told what we should have done so many times, now we believe we did it. Fourth thing about communication. Learn about accountability. Do you do the time? Do you do the time? If we can learn that principle in life, guys, if you and I could take ownership for what we say, we can take ownership for what we do. I promise you, the world would be a better place. I've got the place where if something bugs me or something bothers me, I'm not stupid. I cannot wait to talk something about it that way. You know why? Because a burden heart, a shed is a burden heart. And not only that, the enemy cannot work with things that have been exposed. You can only work with things that are in us. Now, I'm not saying when you get home, sit your wife down and confess all your sins. <laughs> I haven't got enough counselors in the church. Because us men are real detectives. If you women did anything wrong, we will investigate you. And your mother. <laughs> and anybody who's speaking. You know why we like that? And why girls are like that as well? Because our hearts yearn for the truth. I was watching this river documentary the other day. And at the end they spoke with Barry about how the, 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 the victim um, went. And he said something very interesting at the end. He says, that is his truth, but it's not my truth. And I thought about that because so often we have to be very careful that then we don't make up our own truth. Because we want to believe this is what happened. <coughs> Even though it did not happen, we believe in our minds we needed to happen like this. And so we, whenever our wives or our kids tell us the true story, we don't believe it. Because it's not the truth that I want to hear. Communication, fifthly, I want to say this to you. I, I, I need to be very careful when I say this. You see, communication at the end of the day exposes you for who you are. And whether it be with God, whether it be with your wife, whether it be with your kids, I mean anybody that's got teenage kids between the age of 16 and 26, let me tell you something, there's nobody in the world that can make up better stories than boys that are between 16 and 26. <laughs> It doesn't matter if they do the road with Captain Mark and it fell over. They will convince you that they were innocent in this thing. <laughs> Who knows what I'm talking about? Dad, I was just riding past. My bumper flew off by accident. Hit the Captain Mark. Captain Mark fell and said, we passed. You never believed me. <laughs> I want to say this, and I, and I, and I want to close with this. Learn to communicate. Men, men, listen to me. Learn to communicate with your kids. 
You see, I want to be replacing my life, and I hope down there, and I hope they've done the right job. But when everyone is in trouble, in a difficult situation, I want them to phone me first. Yeah. I don't care what they've done, I don't care what they've got up to. I want them to know that I'm their first point of call. How do I do that? I don't overreact to everything that they tell me. And secondly, don't act surprised when they tell you that the nonsense they've done. I'm just like, mm, that's cool. Go on the road, eight bags of weed in your car. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, sometimes I think kids say things to us to test us to see how we will react. When it comes to communication, closing, the most important communication that you have is between you and the Father. Listen to me. Communication is a two-way street. If you prepare to speak, you have to be prepared to listen. You see, we listen to hear. We don't listen to answer. So when someone speaks to you, they're trying to relate some kind of information to you. Your brain then processes that information, all right? And this is my problem was, I'm like, ah! You know, it's something. So I needed to learn to take one step back, just breathe before I responded. Why? Because you see, often we respond from a place where we are. I can be angry, I can be bitter. I could just have had a really bad day. I could not be feeling well. And we said the wrong things. Our kids never forget what we say. And so we learn to communicate effectively. Communication again is a two-way street. That means if you're prepared to speak to God, you must be prepared to listen. Now that's the most difficult thing that Christians do bad. You battle to listen. You speak, you tell God what you want, you tell Him your needs, you tell Him how awesome you are, and none of us can sit still for, for I dare you, I dare you, I challenge you. In your prayer life this week, put your timer on. And now I'm even going to make it difficult. Put it on for five minutes and see if you can listen to God this week without your brain day all over the Without, with, I guarantee you, within 30 seconds, you're thinking about work, soccer, F1 this afternoon, how you're going to cook supper, what your kids are up to, what you did work on Monday morning. And we don't know how to be still. And yet the word of God says, be still and know that I am God. And so you want to learn to communicate, then learn to keep quiet. It's oxymoron, man. You want to learn to communicate, learn to keep quiet. Find yourself in the presence of God. And I promise you, listen to me, that when you find yourself communicating effectively with God, and you find yourself in a good space with God, your communication to your family, your wife, your kids, your workplace, will flow from there. You see, I would rather like my endure, I would rather like my communication to flow from the presence of God than to flow from a place of anger, or bitterness, or resentment, or whatever it is. And so often, you know the thing is, we say things, and I'm going to say this to you guys, we say things, and there's one thing about that, that what you say, you can never take back. You can apologize to your wife a thousand times, you can apologize to your husband a thousand times, words cut deep. 
And a lot of times we speak out of anger or whatever it is, and we say things we should not say, and it hurts. And from it, then there's some communication, not about hurt. Communication, like I said, I said to a married couple, I said, you've got to understand something. When two people argue, it's not about who's right and who's wrong. Two people argue because they're not agreeing on something. The argument is about finding a solution to the disagreement. That is what arguing is about. The problem is that we get personal in our arguments. And five years later we go, oh, I wish I never said that. And we do the same thing with God. I've said some horrible things to God in my life before I got saved. And I think we all I blame you for some stuff in my life. And I think we all did. And thank you for God's grace that I know that He's forgiven us for what we've done. But I want to say this to you, church. There's a scripture that says there, that when the Lord indeed these people are one and they have one language and this is what and whatever they begin to do, now nothing will be impossible for them. If your communication with God is right, you see, uh, Hendrick said a very simple thing, and he said this the other day. He says there was the Tower of Babel. He said God didn't take away their vision, God didn't take away their dream, God didn't take away their building abilities. God didn't take away the bricks. All God did was take away the communication. That's all the devil needs to do in your life. That if he takes away your communication with God, if he takes away your communication in your marriage, if he takes away your communication with your fellow workers, your fellow Christians, your fellow believers, your kids, your friends, things fall to pieces. But when you are able to communicate well and effectively and speak the same language and the same speech, the word of God says that nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. And so, Father, I want to come to you this morning. And, Father, I know it's a simple, simple, simple thing. But I know that at the beginning of time, your word said that you spoke and there was life. You spoke the trees. You spoke the fish. You spoke the division of the sun and the moon into being. And Father, the most amazing thing that as you spoke the heavens, your word still today carries on to the galaxies that we will never ever see. Why? Because your word is still resonating through the hemispheres, creating planet after planet after planet. And so is it with your word that's over our lives. That as you've spoken over our lives, Holy Spirit of God, that word, the word of God, your word says that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish that which you have purposed it for. You know, there's the most profound, just keep your eyes closed, but I took my 10 days and I went to the farm and I found the man, told the story. And there's one scripture that just, just really stuck with me. And maybe it's because I'm 55 years old, but I went to Isaiah 55. And there's this little piece in the scripture there that this prophet writes and says, Seek the Lord while he may still be found. And you know what that voice said to me inside? There might be a season where he's not going to be found anymore. Seek the Lord while he, while he still may be found. And that scares me because if there's a season where he could be found, there's going to be a season where he can't be found. And I never want to get to that place in my life. I want to get to that place in my life where I've worked with my relationship and 
And you know what he should tell us? I've never spoken to each other before we couldn't be married. And it's great that we call ourselves Christians. But you know something? If we don't pray, if we don't speak to God, are we really Christians? Would your relationship, if you had to compare your relationship with God to a marriage, would you still be married? And I tell you, it's a difficult thing for me because there are times that I get so busy that I forget about that, those moments. Forget about those moments, just making time for Him because somehow everything is more important than Him. And this last week, I've really had to repent and say, Father, I'm so sorry that I got so busy and caught up in all this stuff and we're not having me time. No me time. And I want to say to you, it's time for me time with you and God. I'm not saying you have to go pray for an hour or two hours. I'm saying just go sit and be still and give me five minutes of your time. I promise you can have so much fun that by tomorrow you'll be 15 minutes or 10 minutes. But I want to say this to you this morning in closing. God is desperate to fellowship with you. And you say, yeah, but he's God. Let me tell you something. God will never force himself on you. You know, the word of God says, come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come to me, seek the Lord, may still be found. Seek the Lord, by may still be found. And it's our responsibility to, to woo him. It's our responsibility to become intimate with him. It's our responsibility to find out what his heart is and his thoughts are and his plans towards us and our marriage and our, our church. And we, the word of God says a very simple thing. It says, the, man's, the plans of men are many. But it's the plans of the Lord that will prevail in your life. Amen. And maybe you need to find out what are those plans for you. And I want to I wanna challenge you this morning. And I want to ask you this morning. Will you this week spend more time with God? And I say this to you. That if you agree with me and say, yes, Kurt, I'm going to spend more time with God this week. I am going to commit to it. Then I want you to stand quickly. And I want you to stand. And I want to pray this this morning. Father, not just do we want to work at our marriages and our children and our fellow workers and our staff. We don't want to work just on how we say things. But more than anything, we want to see time with you this week. We want to see time with you this week. And we want to fall in love with you. And we want to get intimate with you. And, and Father, we've, we've often spoken how you've changed our hearts, how at times some of us were hard and arrogant and robust and loud. And, and how you just gently nudged us and said, hey, this is not the way. And so, Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you come this morning. Come in power and in might. And I pray this morning that you touch our hearts this morning. That there will be desire for more of you. And I don't want you to rush up. I just want to be able to do this song. It's three minutes. Just do this song. In the next three minutes, I want you just to keep your eyes closed. Just say, Father, you're right.